Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is set for one episode. Your host from Columbus, Ohio, is Michael Kirk. Welcome to the Outbound Mudcast. Hello and welcome to the Outbound Mudcast, your digital audio dirt sheet for all things Super Show. I'm going to start the show off talking about something that is old news, but I said I would cover it last week. The last tournament from Dragon Con. Last Sunday, September 3rd, I gave you the tournament from the afternoon of Sunday. I couldn't give the evening one because it was in progress as I was recording and the show got published before the tournament wrapped up. Here is what happened in the final Dragon Con tournament, the Dragon Con Championship Tournament. They had 20 players constructed so you could build your 1 through 30 deck, pick your own competitor. It wasn't a random choice or anything. You could use an entrance card. You could not use spectacles. They played four rounds. After four rounds, they went to top cut. Everyone with a record of three and one or better made the top cut. There were a number of two and twos. They did another beat the clock format to determine who would round out the top eight. It ends up being a top eight. Six people make it off their record. The two and twos play off singles matches. The two and twos are paired up against each other. First two people to win out of that series of matches, those two people make the top cut. So that gets us to our top eight. Top eight is cycle rules, stipulation in the top eight, no stipulation in the top four. The finals match was a best of three series between everyone's enemy, Joel Williams, playing as his own competitor, everyone's enemy, and college boy Adam Britt playing as the newest version of D1. It's a rematch of last year's finals. The first time we've had two people make a convention final back-to-back since John Pulverino and Keith Strader did it back-to-back Gen Cons. In the best of three series, each person took one fall, so it had to go to a third match. The winner in the third match, college boy Adam Britt. College boy Adam Britt wins Dragon Con two years in a row. Congratulations to Adam Britt for that victory. That brings us to this week. The biggest story from this week is fallout from the Sunday night fight LFF Hardcore Championship match. Now, I didn't talk about this on last week's show, but there was a lot of chatter about malfeasance from the challenger and eventual champion, the Nightmare King. There was a lot of discussion during the match, some on commentary, some in the chat. There were posts afterwards. Apparently, there were a lot of people who also reached out to the SRG BOSS Steve Resk himself and made multiple complaints. From what I saw, the complaints essentially revolved around three things. The first was there was one card the Nightmare King misplayed. It was 360 Lariat. He hit the 360 Lariat. 360 Lariat, when you hit it, what the card text says is flip one card, 
shuffle two cards from your discard pile into your deck, draw two cards. And going from memory, he flipped the card. I think he skipped the shuffle portion and just drew two. That was caught and corrected. And that was the only misplay of a card I saw the whole match. Now, there was an argument from the former champion. I believe the former champion mentioned this in his post. Other people as well, that they believe that was an intentional misplay. That the Nightmare King knew exactly what 360 Larry did and just pretended he didn't. I have no idea if that's true or not. The other two complaints I saw were that the camera filming setup wasn't great on the cards Nightmare King had in play. He did, at the urging of the judges, at the request of the judges, adjust how he had the cards positioned on the table to make them easier to read. The final complaint was that at certain points in the match, the Nightmare King would pick up his discard pile to pass and bury. And then when the discard pile went back down on the table, it was out of the camera's vision. Now, I can understand why those things annoy players. And I agree with the idea that, look, your cards should be positioned on the table so your opponent can see them. Things like your deck and your discard pile should be visible as much as possible. Now, if you're picking up something to shuffle it or to look through it, it may briefly leave the camera vision. That's just part of moving things around. But by and large, those things should be visible as much as possible. So I understand those complaints. Do I think those constitute cheating? I didn't see any cheating happen. I didn't see anything that stuck out to me as cheating. Maybe other people did, but I just didn't see it. I'm bringing this up because this was a big part of Talk of the Universe this past week. The SRG boss did bring this up and talk about this quite a bit. There are a number of statements he made that I want to talk about. Number one, he didn't see any cheating either. He had other people watch the match. They didn't see any cheating. So as far as was there cheating this match, the verdict right now is no. However, Steve Resk did make the decision to strip Nightmare King of the belt to shut down the hardcore division until further notice, to strip Mark Perry of being general manager of the hardcore division. I'm not a big fan of this. My gut reaction is that this kind of sets the precedence that if somebody wins a championship, basically, if you complain hard enough, you can get the boss, you can get the people in charge to take the championship from them. I think that could be disastrous in the future. That's my first thought. Second thing they brought up that I want to talk about is they talked about potentially instituting a rule that if you say what your turn roll is and you're incorrect in that statement, you lose the match via disqualification. I think that's a terrible idea. First off, so many people make innocent mistakes regarding calculating their turn rules. I had it happen to me just yesterday playing in locals. I played one competitor for a few matches. I switched to a new competitor. I rolled a skill that on the new competitor was a 7, on the previous competitor was an 8, 
and I first said eight. I immediately corrected myself and said seven, but if you're going to enforce a rule like this, then I would have to assume the moment I say eight and it's actually a seven, I'm disqualified. All right? I can see pitfalls with characters that have gimmicks that increase their turn rolls or increase their skills. Say somebody's playing a snake pit and they roll one of their three skills. That's boosted if their opponent has more cards in their hand than they do. Let's say they think their gimmick's live, so they give you their turn roll. They roll their tech. Eight printed, nine if the gimmick's live. They say nine. Turns out the gimmick wasn't live. It's actually an eight. Do they lose automatically via DQ? You know, I've seen a lot of people play matches and forget Champion of Kickstarter's bonus at the start. Match starts. Their opponent rolls a 10. They roll their printed 5. They say 5 because they're disappointed they got a 5. And then realize, oh, no, wait, it's actually 6 because I forgot the champion of Kickstarter. Do you DQ them immediately because they said 5 when it was actually 6? If you're going to institute a rule that if you get your turn roll wrong, you lose VDQ, you're going to have to enforce it pretty strictly, which I think could set up a lot of, you know, mistakes like this. The other issue with a rule like this that I want to object to revolves around championship defenses. There's an issue in this game where certain champions will use cards that if stopped will cause them to lose the match via disqualification because championships can't change hands on a disqualification. If we institute this rule, we now give these champions an additional method of retaining the championship by losing via disqualification. If a champion is in a scenario where they know a finish is going to hit, they know they can't stop it, and based on the skill boosts from the finish, boosts to the finish roll from the crowd meter and from other sources, when that finish hits and the finish roll is made, they're going to lose. Now all they have to do to retain the championship is simply intentionally get their turn roll wrong. So I see a rule like this as fraught with danger as not being worth the problems it'll create. The problems it's going to be designed to solve are not as bad as the problems it'll create. So if there's still serious discussion of instituting a rule where if you get your turn roll wrong, you lose the match via disqualification, I would urge the powers that be to say no to that rule. I think that's fraught with problems. I think the headaches that a rule like this will create are way worse than the problem the rule is trying to solve. Those were kind of the main things coming out of the hardcore championship match I wanted to talk about because they talked about them on Talk of the Universe. Nightmare King is no longer the champion. There is no hardcore champion. There is no hardcore division. Will it come back? We'll have to see. Right now, though, it's gone, and they're thinking about doing things to correct that problem in the future. I would urge them to really think about anything they're going to institute before they institute it. Speaking of general managers, on the same episode of Talk of the Universe, it was announced that the new general manager for the United States Championship 
is the GOAT, Brock Smith. Congratulations to Brock Smith for getting this position. I have seen him post already that he will be running an over-the-top grand battle match. I believe he said 20 players in the post. That will determine a future contender for the United States Championship. So already big plans from the GOAT Brock Smith. Again, congratulations on that. CCC News. The second match of round two saw Private Cuddles and Matty Bar 1 face the Phil Birch and the Trickster. The official winner of that match, Private Cuddles and Matty Bar 1. Congratulations to them. That's who I thought was going to win, depending on some judgment calls from Pat Mulligan. Those calls went their way. They must have, and they won. So congratulations to them. The next match in the 2023 Creative Competitor Competition will see the team of JAC and Math Guy take on the Foreman and the New York Phenom. 9 p.m. Eastern, Friday, September 15th to 9 p.m. Eastern, Sunday, September 17th. I am the steward for JAC, so I would urge everyone listening, please tag with JAC and Math Guy. I think he's the best competitor in the contest. I want to see him make it all the way and win this year. I hope you guys agree with me. If you do, please tag with the team. Promos. So far, I've seen nothing from Math Guy about the CCC. I've seen nothing from the Foreman. I've seen nothing from the New York Phenom. I've seen two posts from JAC, both with links to a new JAC song. So JAC did put out a song for this round, did make two posts about it. No videos yet from anyone. I can tell you as the steward for JAC, there will be at least one video from JAC. So. Watch for that. I don't know about the other competitors. Pat Mulligan did on the last episode of Talk of the Universe when he talked about the CCC urge people again to make promo videos. So hopefully we'll see some promo videos over the next few days. But as of right now, nothing so far from any of the four in the contest that I'm aware of. Video-wise. Video-wise, I mean. We do have posts from JAC, nothing from the other three. If I've missed them, I'm sorry. Hopefully we will see more as we get closer to the date that the match goes live. Featured matches. We had a few featured matches from this past week. Monday, the Deep South Championship was on the line. This was a ladder match. Unfortunately, I did not get to see this live. And I could not find it. I believe it was originally streamed on the Twitch channel for the SRGPC. I did not see it when I went to that Twitch page. I can tell you that the challenger was General Lee Wong playing as Pretty Boy Snow. The champion was the corrugated cardboard villain playing as the new version of EC3. The winner and still champion is the corrugated cardboard villain. So congratulations to him. I've heard it was a good match, but again, I just didn't get to see it. I did get to see the LFF Trios Championship match. 
We had the challenger, Sean Lobas, Team Valiant, who's had a shot at this belt for a long time, take on champion, Simple Chuck, with the second version of the higher class. That's who he's the champion with. This match went to crowd meter one. The winner, still champion, Simple Chuck. And I believe with this defense, he's now had the most defenses of any trios champion in the history of the LFF. So congratulations for both successfully defending and making that record Simple Chuck. Cheetah Cup 2 News. Cheetah Cup 2 was a free creative competitor tournament put on by the Cheetah. There were two phases. In the first phase, players who had competitors in Super Show the Game could play. They played in group stages. Winner of the group moved on to the second phase, joining all the players who'd signed up for the tournament that didn't have a competitor in Super Show the Game. So basically, if you had a competitor, you had to go through a group stage. If you didn't, you got to buy into the second portion. Double elimination in the second portion. The two people that made it to the finals of the winner's bracket were Chris Pate, playing as his competitor, Ricky Riots, and Simple Chuck, playing as Macho Manny. This match, like all of the matches in this phase, in the double elimination phase, were played using undisputed rules. If one player wins three turns in a row, the other player gets the next turn automatically. No roll or anything. They just win. And then the counter starts all over again. Bumps did not disrupt the counter. So if one player won a turn, bumped twice, and then won two more turns, that counts as three turns in a row. The opponent gets the next turn automatically. And then the counter resets. In this format, the greatest number of turns in a row a player could have is four. If they get the free turn and then win the next three, that would be four. After winning the next three, the opponent would get the free turn. The finals of the winner's bracket end up going to crowd meter two. The winner of the winner's bracket, who will go on to the finals, who will have to be beaten twice to lose, is Chris Pate. Congratulations to Chris Pate for winning. Simple Chuck then goes to the loser bracket finals. He must play Mitchell Manja. Mitchell Manja playing as Chloe Mai. Simple Chuck still as Macho Manny. This match goes to crowd meter five, largely through the build of Chloe Mai. Chloe Mai's gimmick benefits from the crowd meter going up, and so the deck is built to boost the crowd meter. And at crowd meter five, Mitchell Manja takes Chloe Mai to the finals of this tournament. Congratulations to Mitchell Manja. So Mitchell Manja versus Chris Pate. If Chris Pate wins, he wins Cheetah Cup 2. If Mitchell Manja wins, he must then win a second time to win Cheetah Cup 2. In the first fall, at crowd meter 4, the winner, Chris Pate. So Chris Pate wins Cheetah Cup 2. No second fall necessary. He gets to pay forward a creative competitor. Because he has a competitor in Super Show the Game, he must pay that forward to somebody. If Mitchell Manja or Simple Chuck had won, they would get to create the competitor themselves. Who is Chris Pate going to pay that forward to? We don't know yet. We'll have to see. 
but Chris Pate has won that. And if I find out who he is paying the competitor forward to, I will give you that. Right now, though, all I can tell you is Chris Pate won Cheetah Cup 2. Congratulations to Chris Pate. Speaking of tournament victories, I don't have a lot of details on this, but there's been a Midwest Coast singles tournament and a Midwest Coast tag team tournament going on to determine future contenders for the singles and for the tag team championships. The winner of the singles tournament is Mitchell Manja with Chloe Mai. The winner of the tag team tournament is the tag team of Mitchell Manja and the Goat Rocksmith. So congratulations to Mitchell Manja. Didn't win Cheetah Cup 2, but did win two big tournaments for the Midwest Coast, along with the Goat Rocksmith. Congratulations there as well. That's pretty much going to do it for the news from this week outside of the two online tournaments from this past week. I do have a locals report and Sunday night fights. I'll start with Monday night fights as one of the two online tournaments. 18 players, three groups, six players per group. Top two from each group advance to the top cut. So we have six in the top cut. Let me give you the top four from Monday night fights. In fourth place, we have the LARPer as numero uno. In third place, we have Ken Fouché as Kid Thunder. I believe Kid Thunder slash Man Thunder. It's a flip competitor. In second place, we have Bob Dunn as Dr. Jake Hill. And the winner of Monday Night Fights playing as Chloe Mai, Zach Ashley. Congratulations to Zach for winning Monday Night Fights. This brings us to Chibi's Thursday Night Fights. There were 17 players in this week's tournament. Three groups of four players, one group of five players. Top two players per group advanced into the top cut. So we had a top cut of eight. It looks like the matches in the quarterfinal round were either New York rules or no stipulation. The semifinal round matches were tables matches. The finals match and the third place match were Ring of Fire matches. In fourth place Thursday, we had the LARPer as numero uno. In third place, we have the TVA commissioner, Drew Madsen, as Nanook from the north. The finalists were Ken Fouché, again as Kid Thunder, and Zach Ashley, this time as the Rising Sun, with the winner, Zach Ashley as the Rising Sun. Congratulations to Zach for winning Thursday, for winning both online tournaments in one week. That's a great feat. The one locals that I was given, that I was tagged in, was for Misos Game Room and Collectibles in Louisville, Kentucky. This was a Tornado Tag Team Tournament. Seven players in the tournament. It looks like they did a round-robin format. Each player played the other six in the tournament. From what I'm seeing here, in third place, playing as Cockadoodle Dick Thunderlips, Alexander Slamilton. In second place, John, I'm not sure who John is, as Big Money. And the winner, playing as Hallow Kingdom, the Hallow King himself. Congratulations to the Hallow King for winning the Misos Tornado Tag Team event.
This brings us to Sunday Night Fights. Before I get into Sunday Night Fights, though, two things I need to bring up. The first, from the Misos Game Room and Collectibles Tornado Tag event. Second place in that event was John Gammons. That wasn't on the source I was looking at originally, but I did find it John Gammons. Second, I did see a video from one of the four men in the third match of round two of the CCC. The New York Phenom made a promo video. Will we see a response from his opponents? That remains to be seen. I'd keep your eye out on that, though. That may happen. Now let's get back to Sunday night fights. Four matches on the card tonight. The first, a grudge match that's been brewing for a while. The GOAT Brock Smith taking on challenger Dragon Boy. Dragon Boy has been coming at the GOAT Brock Smith. He's been looking to get that scalp. Tonight, he throws down with the once-in-a-generation generational type talent. Dragon Boy playing as various. Brock Smith playing as El Super Ombre. Unfortunately for the Dragon Boy, it's not his night. Most of the turn rolls go Brock Smith's way. At crowd meter zero, Brock Smith hits his finish, rolls, I believe, a nine. Dragon Boy can't kick out. So the GOAT Brock Smith makes quick work of the rookie who brought it in the promo game but couldn't bring it in the match Sunday night. Congratulations to the GOAT Brock Smith for a victory. This brings us to the main event. The main event originally was going to be a triad match where the winner would become the new LFF Tri-State Champion. There was going to be a gauntlet where the current LFF Tri-State Champion, John Polvrino, would have four matches in a row. If he could win all four, he would remain the champion. If he lost one, the person he lost to would become the new champion. That champion would have to continue running the gauntlet. If that champion lost, the new champion would have to finish the gauntlet. The first man in the gauntlet, Brian Schmidt, volunteered weeks back. He lost the first match of the gauntlet. It looked like John Polverina was going to have to vacate the championship, and the other three men in the gauntlet would be in a triad match, the winner becoming the new champion. Last minute, John Polverino defends in the gauntlet. On this week's episode of Sunday Night Fights, there are three championship matches. John Pulverino, if he wins all three, will emerge as the LFF Tri-State Champion. One win shy of tying the record for most successful defenses. The record is 18. If he loses one, that person becomes the new champion, and again, they finish out the gauntlets. First match of the night, John Pulverino as the newest version of Alien Invader takes on the second man in the gauntlet because the first gauntlet match already happened. The prize fighter Simon Davner playing as the original version of Brian Cage. All of these matches are New York Rules matches because all LFF Tri-State matches, all championship matches, singles and tag, are New York Rules matches. Meaning the match starts at crowd meter one and there are no disqualifications. 
The first match of the night goes to Crowd Meter 2. The winner at Crowd Meter 2, John Press 1P. He successfully retains. Second man in the gauntlet down. He gets two minutes to prepare his deck for the next challenger. Formerly known as the Screaming Danchi, now known as Brother Daniel, playing as the Screaming Danchi. This match also goes to Crowd Meter 2. The winner here, still champion, John Pulverino. So John Pulverino goes into the last match of the gauntlet, still champion. His final opponent, Big Match Pete, playing as Johnny T. This match doesn't go past Crowd Meter 1, the starting Crowd Meter. The winner here, still champion, John Pulverino. John Pulverino successfully runs the gauntlet. So he is one win away from tying the record held by Steve Resk for successful defenses of the LFF Tri-State Championship. Will his next opponent be Steve Resk? Will it be somebody else? Michael Kerr has been angling for a shot at the belt. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But big match up next for the LFF Tri-State Champion. Congratulations to him for successfully running the gauntlet. That was Sunday Night Fights. Future events, events coming up. This weekend, September 16th, Pixel Palace Pandemonium 4. My home store, Pixel Palace Games in Columbus, Ohio, is running a creative competitor tournament. $35 entry fee, eventbrite.com to buy your tickets. You will get three promo cards for signing up, and if you win, you can create a competitor in Super Show the Game. Booked list, going from memory, the three previous winners of the event. So Gia de los Muertos, Scarlet Graves, and Ricky Riots. Candyman is booked. Snake Pit is booked. The Mad One is booked. There may be one or two more. 2020 Vision is in effect. Check the Eventbrite post when you buy your ticket to make sure you're not playing someone who is booked. Booked means you can't use them in the tournament. The store opens at noon. Bell time expected to be 1 p.m. Show up. I would say as close to noon as possible. You don't want to be late. One championship match for sure. The LFF Underworld Championship. Challenger Colin Simon taking on champion the big guy. Will we see other championship matches? I don't know. The LFF World Heavyweight Champion is supposed to be there, and maybe other champions as well. I think the LFF Tornado Tag Team Champion is supposed to be there. Nothing's been announced, though, besides the LFF Underworld Championship. Other future events. October. Two things the weekend of October 15th. First, Marktoberfest 5, October 15th. Recess Games, North Olmsted, Ohio. That's a suburb of Cleveland. The weekend of October 14th through October 16th, ArmorCon in Marlboro, Massachusetts. The 15th specifically at the convention, create a competitor tournament. Two create a competitor tournaments that weekend. November 4th, ACCW in Atlanta, Georgia, create a competitor tournament. And then, Newly announced, October 27th through 29th, last weekend in October, 
Sharonville, Ohio. That's a suburb of Cincinnati. Sin City Con. Steve Resk, Pat Mulligan will be there running demos, selling product. Will there be events? I don't know. All we know is they have confirmed they will be at Sin City Con last weekend in October. As far as online events for this week, watch for something Monday. Watch for something Thursday like always. Two more things before the show ends. First, Friday night there was a pop-up event that I forgot to mention. The TVA and the Constellation held a pop-up event. 11 players, from what I saw, two groups, one group of six, one group of five. The top four are tied for third slash fourth. Trey Cantrell with Zookeeper and Candyman Dan as Candyman Dan. Second place, Johnny Correa with Ricochet. The winner, the cannoli, the ring general, Anthony Perry with Split the Clown. Congratulations to the cannoli for that. And then the last thing I mentioned earlier, Brock Smith is going to be having a 20-player battle royal, grand battle for a shot at the LFF United States Championship. He's now taking promo videos. There are multiple promo videos online of people throwing their hat into the ring to get into the match to potentially be the next contender for the United States Championship. If you want to get a shot at that belt, if you're hearing for the first time about it by listening to this show, make your promo video, get your name out there. Even if you don't get picked, it's good practice. With that being said, I would like to encourage everyone to back JAC September 15th, 9 p.m. to September 17th, 9 p.m. Eastern Time in the 2023 Create a Competitor Competition Tag Team Match. Tag with JAC and Math Guy. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And a good day.